I'm Alora. I'm Brianna, and we are Sisters, Sisters of Lore. Lore, the reread, rewatch podcast of the most magical lore. So fill your pipe with some long bottom leaf, pour yourself a butterbeer, and don't forget toss, toss a, a coin, coin to your witcher. Hey guys! Hey guys! Welcome to episode four. We're going to be discussing chapters seven through ten. Thanks for joining us. So before we jump into the individual chapters, I'm going to do a quick recap followed by Allura's summary. Um, last episode was our introduction to the wizarding world. Hagrid arrives at the hut on the rock in the middle of the sea and tells Harry that he is in fact a wizard. Harry learns about the tragic murder of his mom and dad and that he has been invited to attend Hogwarts, the school of witchcraft and wizardry. He obviously wants to attend despite his aunt and uncle's fight and reservations muggles. Hagrid takes Harry to his uh, to go get his fat stacks of wizard money, Ovs, and helps him buy all of his school things at Diagon Alley, and Harry gets his snowy owl Hedwig. Uh, Harry arrives at King's Cross Station to catch the Hogwarts Express on platform nine and three quarters, but he can't seem to find it as he stands between platforms nine and ten. A flock of redheads magically appear just as Harry is about to have a mental breakdown, and the kind mother to us all, Mrs. Weasley, teaches Harry how to get onto the platform. Her youngest son, Ron, sits with Harry on the train, and they start this beautiful friendship over corned beef sandwiches, chocolate frogs, and birdie bots, every, fla- every flavor beans. And now, we have finally arrived at the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Hogwarts is Harry's home. These next few chapters cover Harry's first few months at this crazy new school where he's going to learn how to use magic, make friends for the first time in his life, sad, and start on his path to discover who he really is and what fate has in store for him. We get to meet a bunch of new characters, some of who will become his best friends and others who just really suck. Uh, Harry navigates through this new world filled with millions of things that he's never heard of. He has to battle crazy new magical creatures that haunt his nightmares and eat amazing food prepared by house elves who work in the Hogwarts kitchens. We'll discover what house Harry belongs to, some new undiscovered talents that Harry never knew were possible, and learn just how bad trolls really smell. (laughs) So join us as we delve into Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, chapters seven through 10. All right, chapter seven, the sorting hat. I love that we start with McGonagall right off the bat. I, uh, I actually wanted to say that I don't, realize in the past just how anxious Harry really is and how much anxiety he truly suffers from and I wouldn't go as far as to say that he isn't courageous because he definitely is Mm -hmm. but he overthinks everything and he comes up with these really ridiculous ideas and possibilities but I mean I guess he doesn't know what to expect so anything's possible I mean honestly I I get his reservations and his anxiety like I would (laughs) I'd be right there buddy Uh, McGonagall tells all the students, the first year students, about the four houses of Hogwarts. They are Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. She says, and I quote, triumphs will earn your house points while any rule breaking will lose house points. At the end of the year, the house with the most points is awarded the house cup, a great honor. Uh, First of all, I love the description of Hogwarts. Uh, The entrance hall alone sounds amazing. There are gargoyles and torches, and it also really freaks me out a little bit that they don't use electricity. I think that's kind of cool. 
I mean, they use it to some extent, but everything, even like when they go places or you go to a wizard's home in any of the books and movies, like they don't use electricity. Everything is fire. Yeah. They use fire torches, fireplaces, like everything just is lit by fire. And it just truly gives you this old atmosphere and the environment feels very authentic and well done. Yeah, no, I do love that. This is also where we hear about Peeves for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Fat Friar, who is my house's ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, but Peeves is one of my favorite characters in the book. I think that obviously he's not really a character. He's just kind of a nuisance. But I'm pretty upset that he's not in the movies. So for all of you who have never read the books until now, hopefully that's no one except for maybe a few people. But if you're hey, just reading the books for the first time, welcome, whether you're just starting or like if you're just a fan of the movies or whatever it is, like you are, you are welcome here. We enjoy you. And get ready for some serious humor from this guy because he is phenomenal. Yeah, I like Peeves. I do. Um, this is a side note too. Uh, this is not in our notes, but Peeves, even though he wasn't in the movies, um, they did try in the first movie. They actually filmed all the scenes with Peeves in them. And I guess it just wasn't very appealing or the way that they shot it, like it just didn't look right. So they actually took him out, but he was originally supposed to be in it. And I don't know, I, I guess after the second book, maybe it was just too far where like they couldn't just now add him. You know what I mean? I mean, he's in the video games, like if you yeah. play any of the video games, because I was that kid that had all the computer games for <laughs> the first three movies, and he was in those. Yeah, yeah, facts. Um, I will say this is one of my favorite moments, probably tied with Diagon Alley. I have a hard time being like, oh, this one is my favorite, and no, it's this one. Um, but I wanted to read the description right quick of their entrance. Um So it says, Harry had never imagined such a strange and splendid place. It was lit by thousands and thousands of candles that were floating in midair over four long tables where the rest of the students were sitting. These tables were laid with glittering golden plates and goblets. And I just, I love that. This is one of my favorite scenes, book or movie, of just that atmosphere of the floating candles. And I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker for candles anyway, but it was just, I don't know. It's like a cozy magic feeling I don't know um and then uh of course there's Hermione's one of Hermione's favorite lines uh book and movie um and it is one of the most memorable for me where she says it's bewitched to look like the sky outside I read about it in Hogwarts a history so as we go um a little further here and we're going to the ceremony they all walk out onto the platform where all the teachers are sitting and there's a stool there with the sorting hat and um, the sorting hat sings a song and this actually changes from year to year as you go through the books or even in the movies like the sorting hat usually has something to say about the year to come Mm -hmm. Um, and this year I just wanted to read the sorting hat song this year because it gives a lot of really good background information on the houses Um, the sorting hat says Oh, you may not think I'm pretty, but don't judge on what you see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your bowlers black, your top hat sleek and tall, for I'm the Hogwarts sorting hat and I can cap them all. There's nothing hidden in your head the sorting hat can't see. So try me on and I will tell you where you ought to be. You might belong in Gryffindor, where dwell the brave at heart. Their daring nerve and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. You might belong in Hufflepuff, where they are just and loyal. 
Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil, or yet in wise old Ravenclaw, if you've already mind, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. Or perhaps in Slytherin, you'll make your real friends. Those cunning folk use any means to achieve their ends. So put me on, don't be afraid, and don't get in a flap. You're in safe hands, though I have none, for I'm a thinking cap. I love that. And I, like you said, I love that it changes from year to year. Um, especially with this being the first book, I like the description of the houses because it's important to know as you read everyone getting sorted. So I do like that. I never noticed that other than the song, which they don't actually show him singing in the movie, um, that otherwise his words are literally verbatim from the book to the movie. And I like that a lot because it helps me read in a voice. I don't know. I like to read. It helps me distinguish the characters and the mood. So I enjoy being able to hear his actual voice in my head saying those words. Same. And I also, so it talks about how Coral had on this, now has on this funny purple turban. And I'm just curious if he didn't have the turban on in the leaky cauldron in the, in the movies he does, but in the book, it says, it sounds like it's the first time that Harry's really seeing this turban. And I'm just curious if that's the case, how does nobody find it suspicious? This, this super nervous man who's never worn a turban previously is now wearing a giant purple turban that he never removes. Thanks. I actually have some headcanon about this. And I don't know if this is potentially on like a Reddit thread somewhere, or I don't know, maybe even on Pottermore, but my headcanon is Voldemort was not inside Quirrell's little turban because obviously he didn't have that prior to the leaky cauldron. So my idea or my headcanon is that he took Quirrell over after his unsuccessful uh, break-in at Gringotts. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think he was like disappointed. Like, well, if you can't do the job, like I'm gonna have to watch over you now and make sure like you follow through with our plans. That's just my headcanon. I don't know if that's actually legit or not, because as you're right, like, or I mean, as you said, um, you are right where Quirrell has the turban in the movie. So I don't know, but poor Harry, man, like as soon as his name is called, like obviously everyone whispers in the great hall and everyone is breaking their damn neck to try to get a look at him. Like he's just some sort of zoo animal or something. And I'm like, this is already just so nerve wracking. This is such a nerve wracking experience as is like, why don't we just make him more uncomfortable? Like that totally makes sense. I don't know. Then the giant uproar and everyone's like, we got Potter when they figure out that they got Harry Potter. Yeah. And I think it's funny too. Don't the twins like rub it in a, in someone's face. Like, I don't remember. Um, but I do love, like, I love Hagrid's supportive thumbs. Like if anyone is going to be supportive of Harry, it's obviously going to be Hagrid. Um, well, and I, I think he was a Gryffindor. That's actually, I, I would, I would have to look that up. Cause I actually don't know, but you're probably right. Um, I believe he was in Gryffindor. Yeah, no, I can't believe I don't know that. Like, I'm going to look it up right now while you keep talking. But yes, I am. Yeah, no, I'm actually really shocked that I don't know that. Because I, I usually know, like, I think I know everyone's OG houses. But um, I do want to talk about hat stalls right quick, uh, especially while Laura is looking that up, because I just have so many things to say about this. So Harry isn't technically a hat stall, even though he and the sorting hat have like this mind war between Slytherin and Gryffindor and where Harry belongs. Um, But a hat stall is someone who isn't sorted within five minutes, um, you know, from the time that like the hat hits their head 
And they are so rare that only two hat stalls have happened in the same era as Harry Potter. Um, and those were Professor McGonagall and Peter Pettigrew. Uh, Hermione and Neville also came really close. Uh, but personally, I think I would have come close to being a hat stall and or could have been a hat stall um, because I, I, I just feel like I would have had a very similar experience to Harry with like that battle of good and evil in my noggin, you know, like between Slytherin and Ravenclaw. Uh, Hagrid is a Gryffindor. Oh, no shit. Okay. Well, I definitely did not know that. I would have guessed Hufflepuff, honestly. Honestly, that's what I was thinking. I was going to say that he, I feel like he's a Hufflepuff, but you probably would have been a hat stall. <laughs> yeah, no, that's facts. I just love Hagrid so much. Um, this is also, so the ceremony is kind of cool here because one of the most important things that I noticed rereading it is that um, all of the people that they name by name in the book are people who come up at different points in the series. Yeah. There are some that we don't hear, like um, Blaze. Yeah, yeah, we don't ever hear about him. We hear about him in the sixth book. He oh, goes okay. to Flughorn's parties, but that's like the only other time. And then in the seventh book, that's who's I with. Does okay, I do. Yes, that's who's with Malfoy in the Room of Requirement when they yeah. set it all on fire. Him and I think Crab is the other one. Yeah, and um, then uh, I know we hear about Susan Bones. We hear about her a couple yep. other times. There's the, uh, there's the chick that wants to give Harry the love potion in the sixth. Romina. Romina. No. Or, just um, kidding. Ramilda. Ramilda, thank you. Ramilda Vane. Yes. Um, yeah. Millicent uh, Bolstrode. Bol yep, she's in the next book. Yep. So yeah, and it's then, that really cool connection that, that you made. I didn't even think about that. Um, of course, we don't hear about Looney. Looney. <laughs> oh, stop. Her nickname. Looney love good. Stop it. I love her. I call Luna Lo Looney because my cat's name is Luna and we call her Looney. Looney love good. So anyway. <laughs> Um, so with the exception of Luna and Ginny, they were a year behind them. Most of the people who are named are the people who come up throughout the book. Yeah. Um, I also love that this is the book where Dumbledore stands up and he's like, I have a few words that I'd like to say before we get started. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, and tweak. Thank you. He's just so strange. He <laughs> said the same thing. In my notes, I wrote the same thing. And I was like, bro, what does this even mean? Like, I don't understand. I love that Harry's like, is he a bit mad? And they're like, oh, he's brilliant. But yes. But yes, he's definitely mad. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is also where we meet the ghosts of the Hogwarts houses. Um, as Alara said, uh, Hufflepuff, Hufflepuff has the fat friar. Gryffindor has nearly headless Nick. Uh, Ravenclaw has the Great Lady, which is Rowena Ravenclaw's daughter. And then Slytherin has the Bloody Baron. I think it's interesting that they never say uh, Sir Nick's full name mm -hmm. in the movies. Uh, his actual name is Sir Nicholas de Mimsy Polpington. Polpington. I <laughs> love it. We also and don't hear that again, right? Until um, the Death Day Party. Yeah, I think, which is that the next book? Yes. Yeah, and I think it's sad because it's not in the movie, but yeah, well, I didn't think it was a very fun chapter to read, but we'll get I mean, there. no, it's not, but I don't know. I just, I liked it. I don't know. It, it was interesting to have the, the ghosts be a little more included as mm -hmm. they are in the books. So, um, and I also think that Bloody Baron's backstory is really fucked up and mm -hmm. just really sad. You know, it involves the gray lady. I won't 
give too many spoilers. Yeah. Um, what, what do we learn that? Uh, I don't remember. I'm like so scared to say the wrong thing, but I feel like it's five. I don't know if it's five or if it's when he actually talks to. No, I think it is when he talks to. Um, he when he talks to book. in the seventh book. But we find out that that's why this all that all happened in Albania, and that's why Voldemort was in Albania. Right. But. Um, so <laughs> I feel like Alura wrote something here where she's like Rowena, also a bitch. Like. <laughs> oh no, I meant. Helena is a bitch because she stole well, yes. her mother's diadem and then but yes Rowena was also a bitch because she had her daughter killed so I mean there's a lot happening there's just a so, lot messed by up. her fiance she's killed by her fiance it's you fine. guys if you if you have family problems too you are not alone it's okay <laughs> um I also think that they write out a lot of Percy's significance mm-hmm. I mean he's not super significant but at the same time like he is a bit more talked about in the books mm-hmm. all the way throughout the books like he's a big problem when he goes to work yes 100 like I mean he's a pretty important character in the books and I just think that he might Especially be annoying and come goblet of fire too like his, right. his play and everything is really um downplayed in the movies as opposed to like his significance in the books I don't think that it talks about him a lot in the movies about no, him not being at, all. at the ministry and like thing with Bill and Charlie though like Bill and Charlie are mentioned a lot even by other people like Hagrid uh in this chapter actually or yeah, this well, section brings up um Charlie Weasley right in the seeker mm-hmm. and yeah, it's right. never talked about in the movies that he was the last seeker before Harry yeah yeah that's sad um also Neville I put this I put this in very big letters you guys but I'm not about to scream it um but just my heart you guys like my heart breaks for him always I literally feel all of the feels whenever I read his dialogue or dialogue pertaining to him um now everyone thought that he was a muggle um this is when they're in the great hall like they're kind of discussing their backgrounds because no one knows anybody you know and they just got sorted so they're just trying to make friends um but Neville like I said everyone thought that he was a muggle and his great uncle Algie I'm assuming it's Algie um almost caused him to drown awesome um and then when Neville was eight his uncle his great uncle again held his ass out of a window and accidentally let go for fucking meringue what like well I mean it's even more interest like it's even more painful to read his dialogue knowing that he could have been yes his life could have been so different yes I know yes I think about that all the time especially without giving away too too much here Yes. Like I, I know too much to look at things the same. And it's just like you said in our last episode, like some of that magical naivety is gone where it's like, now I know too much. And I'm, I don't want to say like, I'm overthinking as I'm reading, but I'm, I am like pulling from things that I know that I didn't know when I first much guys, I know (laughs) says the slither claw. Um, but also can we talk about how Harry's scar hurts for the first time? And all I have to say about this, you guys is get used to it, honey. Like this is just a constant thing for you from here on out. So I am not, I'm going to refrain from singing this because I have a terrible voice and I'm going to spare all of you guys. Okay, so I would sing it with her, but I don't, I don't know the tune like by heart. 
it's in a deleted scene if anyone ever wants to see it from the Goblet of Fire. If you get the Director's Cut Edition DVD set for the collector set, then it is in the deleted scenes. So it's there if anybody wants to see it. It was in the original release when it was in theaters. However, that scene was cut when they turned it into a DVD and put into the deleted scene section. So the song is in there somewhere, not in this book. However, on page 128, they did sing their school song and the words are insane. <laughs> I love them though. Like I, I hate so this song. Funny. I just like this song so much, but I do like the words. <laughs> So it's Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy Warty Hogwarts, teach us something, please. Whether we be old and bald or young with scabby knees, our heads could do with filling with some interesting stuff. For now they're bare and full of air, dead flies and bits of fluff. So teach us things worth knowing, bring back what we forgot. Just do your best, we'll do the rest and learn until our brains all rot. <laughs> Terrible. And I love that they all sing it in like a different He's like, pick your favorite tune. Yes. See, and that's why, I mean, I guess we could have just sung it and we could have sung it to our own like thing, but I don't know if people want to be subjected to this. <laughs> I remember my first day at college and I mean, both colleges that I attended because I attended two separate colleges and I actually went to orientation at four colleges Jesus, and I was so lost. I remember all of the anxiety with being worried about getting lost and then getting lost. So I can't imagine having to show up at this huge castle with 142 staircases, which change direction at will. And you have to remember that there's certain steps that disappear that you have to jump over, steps that aren't real. And on Fridays, this staircase goes this way and there's a trap door. And then you have to go through this tapestry and no. Yeah, no, it's terrible. I I I barely get to the store. I didn't go to big colleges by any means. I went to a a community college, but um, even though it wasn't that hard to navigate, like I do remember navigating junior high and high school. Like when you go into a new school, suddenly you're switching classes, like, you know, six to seven times a day, it can just be really, really overwhelming. Um, You know, I just, I can't even imagine having staircases that move, you know, and like Allura says, like lead to one place and change to another on a Friday. Like, no, thank you guys. Not here for it. This is also the part where Peeves comes in and grabs first years by their nose and screams, I got your conk. <laughs> this is honestly everyone's like favorite line that Peeves says. Like whenever people talk about Peeves, like this is one of them. And then obviously Ickle Firsties, like those are the two. And I do, I love Ickle Firsties. That one's my favorite. I'm also sad that they never talk about um, history of magic in the movies. Mm-hmm. I understand that it's such a boring class, but I love that it's taught by this ghost that just went to sleep in the teacher's lounge and then woke up and was dead and (laughs) floated to his class and now just shows up every day by floating in through the chalkboard and is like continuing to drone on about the history of magic. I love that. I feel like that's suitable too, because I think a lot of kids in class felt like that was history. You know what I mean? Like it's really droll and and boring. Is droll even a a word or am I just making sure? No, that's a word. Okay, good. Um, But speaking of teachers, like let's talk about Harry's class schedule for a quick second. This will actually come up again in our Quill Facts, but um, he has astronomy, which is every Wednesday at midnight. He has herbology with Professor Sprout three times a week, history of magic with Professor Binns, like Laura was just talking about. He's a ghost. 
um, charms with Professor Flitwick, who is um, a Ravenclaw. There's Transfiguration with Professor McGonagall, Defense Against the Dark Arts with Professor Quirrell, Potions with Professor Snape, and Flying Lessons with Madame Hooch. I want to go back for a second and give a shout out to Professor Sprout because it wasn't mentioned that that is my <laughs> house leader. <laughs> okay, discrimination. Discrimination. All houses matter. Yes, all houses matter. I do, I do love Professor Sprout. Um, I have to say that honestly, like the casting of all of these people in the movies, I felt were very, very fitting. So I did love that. Um, Harry also gets his first owl, which is from Hagrid. Um, uh, Hedwig drops off a little note from him at breakfast. And in the letter, Hagrid asks Harry if he will join them for, or join him rather, for tea at 3 p.m. since his Friday afternoon is free. And I love, again, you guys, like Hagrid is just that constant for him. And I love that. Um, especially Hagrid is like all of, well, this is weird to say, it's not all of his first, but like all of his magical experience first you know he was the first one that bought him a birthday present you know what I mean he was the first one that told him about his history talked to him about his mom and dad he's the first one to take him to Hogwarts like and you know he's the first one to show support and you know reach out as as a friend and I just love that I wish so going into potions I wish that they kind of got into Snape just a little bit more in mm. this book. And I mean, really in general, I feel like it never talks about this, but why exactly does he hate Harry? Like, I understand that he loved his mom and that his dad was a jerk and I totally get that. So is it because he looks like his father? Is it because he looks like his mother? Is it because he knows that Voldemort made him into a horcrux? Does he just not know it, but feels all the negative energy? I just kind of want to know what's going on in his mind and why he truly despises Harry so much. So I have some headcanon. Um, I just, I have all the headcanon, um, but I have this headcanon. Um, I've heard someone talk about this before. From my understanding, Dumbledore and Snape do not know that he's a Horcrux until the fifth book. I think is when Harry reacts to another Horcrux and Dumbledore tells him it leaves traces because it's super dark magic. And he says all dark magic like that leaves traces. And, and obviously Harry is affected by Horcruxes. It's why he can hear them. And that's, I think what tips Dumbledore off. And then he tells Snape and that's when they kind of hatch that plan. You know what I mean? Where like, they know he has to die type shit. Um, but also I personally, I believe that it has to do with James. I think that he was bullied by this boy his entire time at Hogwarts. He basically, how he sees it is that he stole the love of his life. Drove him into Voldemort's arms. Right. And he's literally like the spitting image of James. And I think the only soft spot that he has for Harry is the fact that he does have Lily's eyes, which you would never know by watching the movies. I just want to throw that out there. Um, also, I'm sorry, I did not see that that was my part. Um, I also hate for them that potions is held in the dungeons. Like, what a terrible place. Um, also, like, what a dick move, Snape. Like, he knew that Harry wouldn't know any of the shit that he asked him. Um, you know, like, he asked him what a bunch of roots are for and, like, what's um, the- It is powdered root of asphodel with an infusion of wormwood. 
yes, like, I'm sorry, I'm just supposed to know that, like, and, and I get it, you know, you do get your books early on, you know, like you, that same thing with us in, in regular muggle school, you know, like we get our letters early so that we know what classes we have and what things that we need and we get them before we start. And not everyone is able to have that opportunity to look through the books and especially Harry and his circumstance, like he even mentions he wasn't even able to sneak anything. They, they locked everything up in his um, cupboard. So it's like, it's so terrible. And I also love that Harry has that sarcastic bitterness that we've mentioned in previous episodes, which again, didn't translate too well when it came to the movies, but I love this Harry sass. I think that that's what we're going to have to call it from here on out because that is what it is. It is just full Harry sass. Um, when Harry can't answer Snape's questions um, and he's just like, rattling them off it just sounds like magical nonsense to him um and then he insists you know Hermione is sitting there like waving her hand basically in front of Snape's face the whole time and he's just like well uh I think Hermione knows and (laughs) obviously that does not get good points with Professor Snape for anybody that doesn't know um powdered root of asphodel with an infusion of wormwood is the ingredients for draft of living death mm-hmm. and then a bazoar can be found in the stomach or intestines of a goat it's yeah. a type of stone and if you give it to someone who's been poisoned it will cure them of that poison depending on the poison but most poisons immediately and monkshood and wolf spain are also called aconite and those are both the same plant mm-hmm. so there's that yeah, so it's okay. It's not like Alara just knows this by heart or anything. I like chemistry. Um, so one point is taken from Gryffindor. And I'm honestly kind of surprised, honestly, um, that it isn't more because Snape, I mean, Snape is Snape, you know? And again, poor Neville, uh, just what an ass again. Snape takes another point from Gryffindor because Harry didn't tell Neville, who wasn't even his partner, not to use the quills. Um but yeah, loved that. I was going to put in my notes that I think it's kind of interesting that I think they might've done it in the movie to make it seem bigger, I guess. But I wonder if that's how it always is, is that, um, you know, you get one point for doing something good, five points for doing something amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like big numbers seem to be really unheard of most of the time. Like, for defeating a troll, they got five points each and Hermione lost. This is a valid point too. I am... That's actually good. I never thought about it either. But yeah, that does make more sense about the point system. I would like to know if there is like a legitimate point system in place because I do have some things to say about McGonagall's point ranking later on in the books, like more so in like, um, like book two and on like the amount that she gives and takes is like, whoa, like pump, pump the brakes, McG, like you're doing a little too much. Um, but next we see them go to Hagrid's. Um, so Harry was invited, but he obviously left potions with Ron and Ron asks if he can tag along. And, um, I love that, you know, not only is there Hagrid, but we meet Fang for the first time. And I love him. Um, I am a dog person. I have two dogs. I have a Husky and an Australian cattle dog. Um, love, love, love. I have a dog in spirit. Yes, Bobby. He is a dog slash toddler slash cat. Monster. Monster. <laughs> a lot of fluffy floofness. He's just so beautiful. It's the eyes. 
<laughs> floof. Um, I also want to read the short description of Hagrid's hut. It says, there was only one room inside. Hams and pheasants were hanging from the ceiling. A copper kettle was boiling on the open fire. And in the corner stood a massive bed with a patchwork quilt over it. I am obsessed, you guys, with the fact that Hagrid has a patchwork quilt and 100% he knit that shit himself, okay? Like, same dude, same energy. Love it. Harry also brings Ron to meet Hagrid, and Hagrid said, oh, another Weasley, eh? Spent half my life chasing your twin brothers away from the forest. It's funny coming from the guy that has kids serve detention in the forbidden forest. With <laughs> right? <laughs> makes so much sense um at the time that they're there uh so Hagrid made them some rock cakes which they do not eat because they are hard as hell um but Harry happens to catch a glimpse of the Daily Prophet which had a snippet on the break-in that happened at Gringotts on Harry's birthday uh turns out that the vault that was broken into happened to have been emptied earlier that day curious so curious Okay, so next is chapter eight, the potions master. Um, so poor Harry, you guys, again, just like treated like a caged zoo animal or like roadside attraction. So chapter nine was the midnight duel. Brianna was a tad hasty <laughs> when discussing Harry's schedule. He actually didn't have flying lessons previously. But now they see a flyer in the Gryffindor common room that states that they will be starting those lessons on Thursdays with the Slytherins. Yay! Love that. Um, there's also like so much foreshadowing happening. I mean, this is just how Joe writes. And I just, I, I am obsessed with Joe's writing style. Um, but just in the first few paragraphs, it's crazy how much foreshadowing is happening. Um, like Harry has been looking forward to flying more than anything else. And then they see that, you know, that common room flyer. Uh, Malfoy talks about how good he is at Quidditch, but yet like he hates that they never let any first years on the teams. Like so good, dude. Um, I also love how nervous Hermione is about flying. Like her and Neville are reading books together and like trying to study for something that like truly is 100% pure talent. Like, this would be me. This is also where Neville gets his remember all from his gran. It's this little glass ball about the size of a large marble, and it's full of white smoke when he first gets it. And when you hold it tight, it will turn scarlet if you've forgotten something. So, of course, Neville has forgotten something and he can't actually remember what it is because the remember all doesn't tell you that because it's clearly very useful. I have been listening to the Mamma Mia soundtrack for like six days. So cut me some slack. So Mamma Mia is better than us. Like, no, don't answer that. I already know, <laughs> I already know your answer. Shut up. Mamma Mia. Here I go again. Mama. How can I resist you? <laughs> going on madam rolanda hooch um so madam rolanda hooch um she is the flying instructor and we meet her on the grounds for gryffindor and slytherin's first flying lesson and i do have questions about her um which i did answer myself before i even finished the script um but she has short gray hair and yellow eyes like a hawk I was actually curious to see if she was human. And yes, I looked this up. She is indeed a human. Um, she went to Hogwarts herself, though we don't actually know what house she's in. I tried to find it and there is no info on that. But I honestly thought like maybe she was 
magical, like, like part magical creature or something um just because of how her eyes were described I was like oh like is she Faye or something like we don't hear about Faye but I didn't know if that was a possibility but it is not folks she is a human you did a really good job portraying what the book says she looks like in the movies Facts. too I love that I love she is one of my favorite um yeah. casting choices as anxious as Harry was uh he was the first one to get his broom to jump up into his hand on his first command that was pretty amazing. Meanwhile, Hermione and Neville, who did so much studying to be good at this, are struggling quite a bit. And again, dude, like just poor Neville. Um, he gets his broom off the ground and into his hands. And then by the time it's time to mount the damn thing and do some like light floating, <laughs> not for Neville. There is no light floating for him, never for Neville. <laughs> um, dude shoots up about 20 feet in the air uh, before falling back down with a broken wrist as the damage. But honestly, not too shabby for falling 20 feet up. You know what I mean? I mean, so you've seen the first Fantastic Beast movie. Yes, I've seen all of them. At one point, Newt gives the muggle guy a helmet and the guy's like, what's this for? And he was like, your head's a lot more breakable than mine is. So I wonder if they have a little more like give to their body maybe. So maybe that's why when he fell, I also was wondering if maybe Harry was supposed to get that broom. Mm, that's interesting. because it said that even though he fell off of it the broom continued to zoom towards the forbidden forest and we know that that's where Voldemort is sucking unicorn blood right girl I hadn't even thought about that you know we made this crazy oh connection while I was reading head cannon bitch that is so interesting bro now you never know because honestly Joe puts so to- much he no, put no, she be the car because he was gone by then, but still. They, Joe puts so much into her writing that's just Seriously. like, like things I that don't come up for so many more books. Notes. I want to see her notes. Yes. I, I want to see charts, bitch. I want to see full ass family trees. Like, bro, I and want everything. It's amazing to me that she was able to make this huge series out of telling these as bedtime stories to her kids that's how these started was that it was just something that she continued on when giving these bedtime stories to her kids and then she created this whole universe out of it and there's so much lore for it I love it that's so good so of course back to this um Madam Hooch was taking Neville to Madam Pomfrey who was the school nurse me in the future everyone's (laughs) looking I'll be at Hogwarts being a nurse bags (laughs) So now is Malfoy's chance to be an asshole. Not like he needs one, but. No, no, he doesn't. But he was being an asshole. He sees their member all on the ground. And can we talk about the change in lines from the book to the movie? Mm. Movie Malfoy says, if he was holding this, maybe he'd remember not to fall on his fa ass. He's not say that (laughs) in the book. Facts. Yeah. And that honestly kind of bothered me too where it was like okay first of all why are we even having these tiny children say that like that's really rude of you um I'm not surprised <laughs> sorry You're talking on the phone Leonidas is giving his input as well but um I, I don't know I wouldn't be surprised that that is how they speak in the Malfoy house that would not shock me but 
again, like, why did you have to change that dialogue? Like the dialogue was fine anyway, but whatever. So of course, Harry is like, give it back. You're being a dick. Um, so he disregards Madame Hooch's warning about moving while she was gone. And he and Malfoy end up fighting for Neville's rememberal. And of course, Malfoy throws the damn thing. So Harry chases after it on his broom, catches it as he's doing a nosedive into the ground and pulls up his broom just in time after he caught it to not kill himself. <laughs> and this is when Professor McGonagall sees this happening and comes running out and takes Harry away through the school. And he's thinking all of these horrible things that she could possibly do to him. She brings up, he brings up her, sorry, he, not she. <laughs> Harry Potter brings up in his mind, maybe she's getting a cane because she goes to this room and she says, hey, can I borrow wood wood yes wood it's his first name oliver oliver i always want to say olivander and i know I that's know, not right. i know okay i feel you so when she asks for wood she he immediately is like oh my god she's getting a cane she's gonna cane me <laughs> which is funny because in the third book when marge asks if he gets caned at the school he's like oh yeah Ooh, i get loads, of, time. loads of times <laughs> It's so good. I love that one. Oh yeah, loads of times. Like so good. So this is um Professor McGonagall is like truly one of my favorite characters. She's so stern and people follow her and respect her so deeply, but she loves those students and she loves that school. She's you know, so she, competitive. Her hat stall was between Gryffindor and Hufflepuff. And I, I get it. Like I get why. Like she yeah, is she's a, a delightful like, human rule follower she's loyal like she's patient you know what she's just like she is the perfect like what is it a huffledore or griffin griffin puff Puff. yeah fair enough whatever i love her she's literally one of my favorites she's so competitive too and i love it when she's like we might actually beat slytherin this year (laughs) she well i actually i think i read about this too i don't remember if it's in the books or if i read it on pottermore but um she was on the gryffindor team i believe she was a chaser if i'm not okay and um that she was actually battling cancer through the last few movies yes oh my gosh i love her what is her uh madam uh Maggie. Maggie. It's Maggie. Maggie something. Yep. I'm so sorry. That was sad on my part. It's late, you guys. Like it's 10 o'clock at night. Um, but I I just I love her very much. I love her character. She is someone like she's she's very stern and loving. Um, I kind of imagine her being like an aunt that I'd want to visit during like the summer or something. Um, and just a wonderful teacher, too. Like I would love to have her as a teacher. Um, thankfully she doesn't lead Harry towards a terrible punishment or anything, but, but instead introduces him to Oliver Wood, the captain of the Gryffindor Quidditch team. Um, not only is Harry joining the house Quidditch team as the seeker, but he learns that his dad was also a Quidditch player. And I love that. So Harry tells Ron about what just happened. And it turns out that Harry is the youngest seeker in a century. Malfoy spots Harry and continues to harass him and then challenges him in a wizard's duel. A wizard's duel is obviously a duel between two wizards, obviously. but they talk about having seconds and Ron says that he's Harry's second and Malfoy chooses crab. But in case you were wondering, a second is in place should the dueler die. <laughs> obviously, these boys don't know enough about magic to do anything at this point, but that is all that the alternate is, is that if your opponent kills you, 
your second comes in and kills the other wizard and then their second comes in and I was gonna ask that too I'm like is this just like a never-ending cycle because that is total shit like when does this end (laughs) um but I do after this um you know Hermione says some things and we all know like Hermione is super nosy um but I I really dislike that Harry and Ron treat Hermione so poorly um maybe it's because they have this beautiful friendship later on and like that's the majority of of how I remember the trio you know what I mean is like they've always been the trio and I forget sometimes that they did have a really rocky start um and I get that you know like she sounds they completely ignore her and they sneak out to beat Malfoy in a duel and Hermione is just chilling in a chair in the common room just waiting to see if they'd show up to leave and she follows them out to the corridor to basically scold them and convince them not to go and then when she turns around to get back into the common room the fat lady, who is the portrait that guards the Gryffindor common room, has left to go visit a friend and she can't get back inside. <laughs> Which sucks. <laughs> so like naturally she joins them. Um, and then again, Neville, you guys, I just can't like my heart just breaks for this kid. And I'm, I'm way too emotional when it comes to him. But poor dude just couldn't remember the new password because they change what, like every week, I think. I don't know how often, but it's, it's a lot. It's, it's frequent enough where poor Neville never remembers anything. Um, so he can't remember the new password to get into the common room to go to bed. So he's just been in the hall, literally crying cold and certainly not sleeping in his warm bed. Um, the good news is that his arm is completely fine after Madame Pomfrey mended it. So Neville joins Harry, Ron, and Hermione on this trip to Duel Malfoy in the third floor trophy room. He's late and they think he's chickened out, but it was most definitely a trap. Did they really expect it to be any different? Right. Malfoy. So he told Filch, the caretaker, and set them up. Filch is skulking around for these students with Mrs. Norris, who is his cat, and they can't find them. They bump into some armor, loud as fuck people, (laughs) and all four of them take off running and wind up super far from the trophy room after they go through one of those crazy passageways. Mm -hmm. But they come into contact with Peeves. Ickle firsty. I love it. Um, I do. I love Peeves. Like he's just the mischievous. He reminds me of Loki. He's like Loki in like poltergeist form. Um, but he is such an ass. Uh, he screams out about students being out of bed. So the kids take off running once again. They come to a locked door. Um, no one can open it. They feel like they're doomed. And Hermione obviously knows Alohomora, the unlocking spell, and everyone jumps inside. Peeve does cover for them when Filch comes around, and I think he just loves causing mischief. Um, Filch takes off since Peeves won't tell him anything, and it turns out that the four Gryffindors happened upon the third floor corridor that is off limits to anyone who does not wish to die a painful death. (laughs) And that shows us who Fluffy is. She's a three-headed dog, and as soon as they see that, they get the hell out of Dodge and back to the portal of the fat lady as fast as they can. And apparently nobody but Hermione noticed that Fluffy had been standing on top of a trap door, um, which she happens to point out. And like, obviously, dude, like when there's a three-headed dog in front of me, I'm most concerned with his feet. Like the fuck? Um, Another one of my favorite lines that she says, and I think it's probably one of everyone's most memorable lines of Hermione. um, I hope you're pleased with yourselves. We uh, We could all have been killed or worse, expelled. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. I'm shocked she's not in Ravenclaw. Same, same. But I I do believe that she does show 
throughout the series why she is a Gryffindor. And I mean, honestly, like, let's just look at book seven. Like, yeah. really, you know, um, she does show some some major bravery. And she even says in this book, too, and I'm sorry, you guys, I know that this is jumping ahead and, and we will talk about this again when the chapter comes. But she even tells Harry at the end of this book, like, oh, books and cleverness, you know, like they're much more important things. So, you know, like, even though, yes, she is someone who is very much about her books and her knowledge, she does prize other things more than that, you know, like where for me, I do prize books and knowledge and things like that above bravery and courage, you know, and like, I don't know, but crazy, crazy, but smart kind of sometimes. I get that she sounds nosy and like a know-it-all, um, you know, people feel the same about me sometimes, you know, like, like I do, uh, know everything. Um, but she does have valid points. Uh, you know, if they do get caught roaming the halls after hours, with this midnight duel, like they are potentially losing their house some major points. And she has a right to be like, hey, you guys are being really freaking selfish. Chapter 10, it's now Halloween. The next morning, Malfoy is shocked to see that Potter and Weasley weren't expelled or some shit. And Harry fills Ron in on the grubby brown package that Hagrid picked up from the vault 713 on his birthday. And that was what he believes Fluffy must be guarding. Hermione is still refusing to speak to Ron and Harry after what happened, um, which they could honestly care less about right now. And they make that very vocal. Um, And Harry receives his first package. Uh, The letter attached states, do not open the parcel at the table in bold letters. It contains your new Nimbus 2000, but I don't want everybody knowing that you've got a broomstick or they'll want one. Oliver Wood will meet you tonight on the Quidditch field at seven o'clock for your first training session. Professor M. McGonagall. Of course, Malfoy comes over and grabs the package, even though it doesn't belong to him, and immediately realizes that it's a broom. And he thinks that Harry is most definitely going to suffer for this because most first years aren't allowed to have them. And again, with the Harry's ass, it's all thanks to Malfoy here that I've got it. And I love that. Even Allura wrote that in her notes too. (laughs) I think that's great. I honestly would not want to play Quidditch. Like, call me crazy, but I, <laughs> I was a cheerleader all through, um, let's see, middle school, junior high, and then I stopped in high school because I moved high schools. Um, so I couldn't, not that I couldn't continue, but I honestly felt like I was cheating on my home team or something. Um, and I also did competitive cheerleading. So I know that they don't have cheerleading in the wizarding world, um, unless you're a Vila, uh, I guess. Um, But I definitely would have still been like a cheerleader, whether that's in the stands or, you know, just like cheering on my house. I would not have any desire to play Quidditch. (laughs) They talk about how great his broom looks and it's a Nimbus 2000. And I have his Firebolt as a tattoo on my arm. And Mm -hmm. I think that they look great. But I love in the next book when they come out with the Nimbus 2001. Yes. And I love that the Southern team has them all because yes. they're black and sleek and sexy. And I love them. Those are my favorite too. And I, I would never get one for the simple fact that Malfoy has one. But if he had never had one, that would have been my fucking broom. If I could afford it, obviously. I don't know. In the second movie, I kind of thought that the guy who played... Draco got a little bit cuter. Yes, sex. It's fine. So this is where Oliver Wood teaches Harry the basic rules of Quidditch. Inside this massive trunk that Wood is carrying are four different sized balls. 
There are seven players on each team. Three of them are called chasers and they throw a red ball called the quaffle. So that's the ball that gets thrown around back and forth. And they throw it through these three hoops to score 10 points. There's one keeper on each team and they guard the hoops and make sure the other team doesn't score. Next, we have two bludgers. They are a bit smaller than the quaffle and jet black in color. They rocket around the field trying to knock players off. So they have two beaters who protect their teammates by pelting them towards the other team and away from their own. Every time I read the names for <laughs> these, all I can think is quaffle waffle. It's fitting. Bludgeoning. Bludgeoning bludgers. Bludgers. <laughs> this is accurate. Uh, last, there is the golden snitch, which the seeker is in charge of spotting and catching. The goal is to get it before the other team's seeker because whoever catches it earns their team 150 points and the game is ended. I love that Harry asks if anyone's ever died. And Oliver <laughs> Wood is like, not at Hogwarts. We've had a couple of broken jaws, but nothing worse than that. Right. Good thing you guys can heal bones real quick with a flick of your wand because a broken jaw sounds pretty terrible, even in the moment. It also sounds like you're probably going to sustain a minor head injury, but how should I know? Can we also talk about the longest game lasting three months? Like, bro, who, (laughs) like, how do you even request work off for that? Like, what? When I was younger, I actually had this game for my PS2 called, um, Oh, what was it? The Quidditch, it was Quidditch World Cup, I think, Harry Potter and the Quidditch World Cup. But I loved that game. You literally got to pick which team you wanted to be a part of. And it had every country that there's a wizarding school from. That's and you could pick whatever country you wanted to be a part of. I always picked Bulgaria because I loved their home Very stadium. Sturdy. It was all fire. Mm. <laughs> but it just makes me want to go get a PS2 so that I can play Quidditch World Cup because I'm the best Quidditch player that there ever was. Uh, so now bringing up Harry's schedule once again, uh, he's added Quidditch practice to his pretty busy schedule um, and that's three times a week. So the next morning is Halloween, my favorite holiday. And their first class of the day is charms with Professor Flitwick and they are practicing how to make things float by using Wingardium Leviosa. Leviosa. Not Leviosa. Which is funny because that's not the dialogue in the book, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but Harry gets a matchup with Seamus, uh, who sets his feather on fire. And Ron is just a whole ass mess with like his windmill wand waving. Um, and Hermione shows him how it's done. I just want to say I'd definitely be Hermione in school. I'm such a rule follower. I'm a little bit of a know-it-all. I do like to show off a little bit when I'm good at something and I can be a tad bossy, <laughs> a, tad. a tad. If you asked my fiance, he'd tell you it was a lot, but I think that he's dramatic. Um, <laughs> I'm not quite as adventurous. I'm definitely someone when like, someone's like, let's go to this thing. Let's go out to this place. And I'm like, oh God, that sounds terrible. There might be yeah, there. Thanks. I just <laughs> <laughs> um as I said we're gonna talk about the dialogue uh as I said she wants to show him how it's done so she properly says the incantation and it's wing godium leviosa 
Um, Ron is pretty sore about that uh, since her feather is the first one to float in the air and he talks some trash as they're exiting the classroom and Hermione unfortunately overhears. She doesn't go to any other classes that day actually and the boys overhear that she's been crying in the girls bathroom all day. Which is really sad. Um, I do love this next part though. Again, you guys, I'm just obsessed with the great hall. Um, I'm obsessed with the descriptions and how it's always looking. Um, so here at Halloween, it says a thousand live bats fluttered from the walls and ceiling while a thousand more swooped over the tables in low black clouds, making the candles in the pumpkin stutter. Love it. I'm obsessed. Like I literally want to decorate my house like the great hall, just a shit ton of bats you know, in my house looking like Halloween all year round. I'm here for it. And you can be Meredith from the office. And yes, dude, I just watched that episode. No joke. Like right before we recorded this, Meredith had rabies and they did the fun run. Like, stop yeah. it. We just watched that one, I think two days, two or three days ago. We've been I watching Parks and Rec. Like, I have never eaten as much Alfredo or drank as little water as I did today. Like, <laughs> Okay, you guys, if you if we haven't mentioned this before, we are both obsessed with the office. And we totally would have done like an office podcast, but you guys, there's already the Office Ladies podcast and it's wonderful. If you don't listen to it, do it because I just love Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey. They are phenomenal and they give way more content and context to the show than we ever could. But it is it's our favorite series ever. Swear to God. At this point in the book. Professor Coral runs into the Great Hall and yells, Troll! Troll in the dungeon! I thought you ought to know. <laughs> and then his bitch ass faints. Like, can, like just what a bitch. <laughs> We've got Percy, who is rounding up all the first years, yelling, I'm a prefect! <laughs> just walking around, repeating that, I'm a prefect, I'm a prefect, and telling everyone just how important he really is. <laughs> Tell me how small your penis is, please. <laughs> Tell me how small it is without telling me how small it is. Like, <laughs> um, But I'm honestly surprised that like either of them even thought about Hermione because at this point, like, you know, they're being um, like herded back to their common rooms and they're both like, oh my gosh, Hermione, she has no idea that there's a troll in here. We have to go find her. Um, so again, like I'm, I'm a little shocked that either of them even thought about her because she was on their nerves and like they talk so much shit. Um, but obviously that was a good thing. So lucky for her though, they make their way towards the girls' bathroom by joining the Hufflepuffs <laughs> and they spot Snape who is heading towards the third floor and they find the troll. Well, they smell him first. Which is so gross. Um, the troll is described as being 12 feet tall with skin the color of a dull granite gray a body like a boulder and a small coconut sized head. It had short, thick legs like tree trunks, had a flat, horny feet or had flat, horny feet um, and was dragging a huge wooden club with his long arms. The troll then goes into the bathroom and there just happens to be a lock in the a key in the lock on the door. So both boys rush over and they slam the door shut and lock the troll inside only to realize that they locked the troll in the girl's bathroom where none other than Hermione is. And once they realize that she's in there, they burst open the door and find her shrieking against the wall because who wouldn't be when a troll is trying to kill you? Right. Uh, so Ron distracts the troll uh, while Harry tries to yell at Hermione to move towards them. 
but she just can't like she's pinned she's scared she's screaming um harry does some wild ass shit and just jumps on the troll's back with his arms around his neck and his wand ends up the troll's nose and then hermione uses wingardium leviosa to float the troll's club which works and it falls from the air on the top of the troll's head knocking him unconscious which is like perfect timing because Mick G, Snape, and Professor Quirrell walk in. They're like astonished that three first years took out a troll, especially Quirrell, let's point that out. Um, to spare the boys and their houses from losing points, Hermione says that she went looking for the troll herself and she was thankful that Ron and Harry had come to find her. Um, Mick G takes away five points from Gryffindor, but then gives each of the boys five points for their bravery. There are some things you can't share without becoming friends, and knocking out a mountain troll is one of them. So is giving an IM injection to someone who's trying to bite your face off. Shout out to my work friends. You guys are the real MVPs. Love y'all. <laughs> like I said, Joe makes this shit relatable, yo. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, I had a huge crush on Oliver Wood, too. Like, I don't know many girls that didn't back then, but he was a, he was something. So as you guys know, we started doing Quill Facts, which I'm super excited about. It just kind of gives us a deeper insight. So there aren't too many in this um, series of chapters, but our first Quill Fact pops up in chapter seven on page 113. That's on my iPad. That's not on, a, on an actual book. Keep that in mind. Um, but it does say, the Sorting Hut is one of the cleverest enchanted objects most witches and wizards will ever meet. It literally contains the intelligence of the four founders, can speak through a rip near its brim, and is skilled in legilimency, which enables it to look into the wearer's head and divine his or her capabilities or mood. Um, it can even respond to the thoughts of the wearer. And the second fact is in chapter eight on page 127 of the iPad, and it states that all first years at Hogwarts must take seven subjects, transfiguration, charms, potions, history of magic, defense against the dark arts, astronomy, and herbology. Flying lessons on broomsticks are also compulsory. All right. And as you guys know, um, we're also going to do some questions. Um, I come up with questions like as I read, just like deeper things and headcanon things. So um, I have a couple here that I wanted to throw out to Allura and then obviously um, you guys as our listeners. And if you don't know as well, when you look in the episode description, there will be a link to leave us a voice memo. So if you feel inclined to, sorry, my son has a snack. He is like the king of snacks. Um, <laughs> thanks. Uh, so with these questions, if you guys feel inclined to send us your answers, please feel free to do that. Um, if you don't want us to share them, that's totally fine. Just let us know, but it would be kind of cool. It's another way for us to interact with you guys. Um, but my first question, Allura, um, out of all of the foods listed in the seventh chapter in the Great Hall, which would you be most excited to eat um, or which would you eat the most of? So it says, Harry's mouth fell open. The dishes in front of him were now piled with food. He'd never seen so many things he liked to eat on one table. Roast beef, roast chicken, pork chops and lamb chops, sausages, bacon and steak, boiled eggs roast potatoes, fries, Yorkshire pudding, peas, carrots, gravy, ketchup, and for some strange reason, peppermint humbugs. Okay, I already know what Allure is going to say, actually. I don't even know why I asked this. 
What do you think I'm going to say? Gravy. <laughs> this bitch would get a whole ass boat of gravy. On the fries. Yes. Facts. Yo, poutine. Somebody get me some cheese. Mm. Fresh cheddar curds only. Yes. I'm going to pour some gravy on this bitch and I'm going to eat it all. I know that's right. I'm right there with you. I had never had poutine until I moved to New York. Um, I grew up in Maine. Obviously, we we went over that. Um, that's I how I want you to know I'm... that it's actually pronounced poutine. Okay. Well, I'm not French, so you can put <laughs> my ass. Um, <laughs> actually, we are French. So <laughs> get out of here. I don't know anything about our family tree. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> but... I tried it for the first time when I lived in New York because, I mean, even though Maine is close to Canada, where we were in Maine isn't close to Canada, um, and where I was in New York was extremely close to Canada. So a lot of places, especially pizza places, served poutine, um, and you could dress it up all types of ways. When I moved back to Maine, and I'm, I'm talking like this was probably... 2016 2015 a lot of the local pizza places were now serving poutine um and man i haven't had it since i left maine but i am now i need to make it oh my god yes i just like gravy yeah facts gravy so the other day i made pot roast and i whipped potatoes cover that with corn stack Mm. some pot roast on top and then Mm. put it all in a bowl and cover it with gravy Mm, bruh, I, or just drink the gravy while we're speaking of this can we just talk about a good kfc famous bowl like oh mm-hmm, my God, mm-hmm. it's basically <laughs> a famous bowl with, with with beef i am i am a hoe for fucking kfc's famous bowl and Chicago i'm a hoe for their gravy yes yeah yeah i feel you has I anyone t- noticed a theme here that i might have a gravy problem yes yes if we could just get her gravy in an iv drip i feel like we would I'll have, put the IV in if y'all just find the gravy to hook it yeah. up. <laughs> just find some that doesn't solidify like super quick. That'd be great. Yo, yeah. sausage gravy when, so you guys, I, I used to work at Waffle House um, as a waitress, but they have honestly some of the best um, biscuits and gravy and it, it's, oh, it's just so good. And I used to have it like almost every shift because it's quick. Like you don't have a lot of time to eat. So it's really quick. Just be like, hey, bro, like throw me a biscuit on the fucking grill and slab some gravy on that shit and smash it in the back real quick. It's so good. You take Uh, it one step further. Corned beef hash, mm, eggs, hollandaise sauce. Mm. See, I can do hollandaise. I I enjoy hollandaise, but I can't make it at home. No, it's not the same. It's just not the same. Yeah. I need to have that when I'm out. Like that's the only yes. time. No, I don't make it at home. I'm not that talented. No. We make gravy. That's it. Just I make gravy. That's it. I make good gravy. Yeah. Really good gravy. <laughs> you should serve your gravy at your wedding. Like just have a fondue station. You think that my wedding will not have gravy? <laughs> Bro, we'll toast with gravy. Like <laughs> my wedding gig is actually made out of gravy. <laughs> donuts and gravy okay i regret asking this question (laughs) just so you know glazed donuts do taste good dipped in gravy i was just gonna say that actually sounds really good like i it's delicious i've done it several times cream with some sausage gravy like i would sometimes if i know i'm making pot roast i go to dunkin donuts just to get some glazed donuts to dip in the gravy dude okay i'm gonna try that i really am i'm gonna try that sometime it's it's gonna blow my fucking mind anyway next question anyway moving on (laughs) what other common room would you want to go to other than your own i already know the answer to this all right what's yours slytherin yes me too 
Same. It's underwater. underwater. Yes. It's honestly the fact that you can see the squid in the lake. Like I am so here for that. I, you know, I love water. Like we are through the emerald stained glass windows, which Mm are gorgeous. Yes. And I do like, um, you know, we do end up getting a a view of the Slytherin and common room only one time. And that's in the chamber of secrets, um, you know, movie wise. But um, the only so common room you never see is Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Yeah, we don't ever see that one. Um, but oh my gosh, just so, so good. I love that. So in chapters eight and nine, we learn all about Harry's schedule and classes. Um, what would be your favorite class and what class do you think you would excel in if that's like different, you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me answer that with a firm yes. <laughs> what um I would fail history of magic 100 percent. 100 percent. um I think it would depend on the teacher for defense against the dark arts if it was lupin it would be my favorite class but I also love astronomy and herbology and charms and potions <laughs> transfiguration scares me a little bit but sorry. my my favorite class would probably be Defense against the dark arts. Depending on the teacher. Depending on the teacher, yes. Because if Umber just teaching it, I'll kill her. Yeah. Charms, I would definitely be here with charms because first of all, Flitwick, love him. But I also feel like I would be really good with charms because I am very tedious. So I know that it has to do with the wording and obviously the wand waving. I feel like I would excel in that. And then did I already say astronomy? No. Okay, astronomy, because I'm obsessed with... I'm a very astrological bitch. Um, I need to get more back into that, honestly. That's why I'd be good at potions, though. Like, I'm so attentive to detail that I feel like potions would be my shit. And it's a lot like baking, too. So I do think I would be decent at potions. I don't know if I'm cooking them on it. Right. (laughs) So true. Do I I get to eat the potion after? Facts. I think I would honestly excel in potions once Slughorn comes into the picture. But when it's Snape, I think I would struggle. Because, you know, you have those subjects that are great, but you just have a shit teacher. That would be that situation where Snape is just, I'm sorry, he's just not a great teacher. He really does bully the students. Like, you know, he, even though he is tedious about teaching, you can tell he hates teaching that subject. Like, so it's like, why would I even enjoy that if you hate it? Like, I don't, I don't know. Does it, weird question, sorry, off topic. Does it show in the sixth movie any defense against the dark arts classes? I don't think it does. I don't think it shows Snape teaching any of those classes, even though in the books, it's actually a huge part of the books. Yeah, no, which is funny too, because you would think that they would include, I mean, I know that it's a big focus on Slughorn because he is that missing piece that they need. So obviously that is where- But it's where Snape's wanted to be forever. Right. And that's what I was just going to say is Snape has like pined for that position for years, like even before Harry came into the picture. And I totally forgot to say this too. He is the youngest professor ever at Hogwarts. Um, But I don't know. I just, I think that that's kind of shit that they left that out. And again, I know that there were more important things, but if it's like that, bro, like don't try to fit all that in one movie. Like that's what kind of irritates me. Yeah. But yeah, all right, guys, those are all the questions. And like I said, if you guys have input, feel free to either leave us a recording or um, you can write into any of our social media, which we'll talk about that below. So our next episode will be about chapters 11 through 14. So be sure you've read those chapters if you want to read along with us. 
That episode will be live on Wednesday, the 18th. But if you support us on Patreon, you will have early access. And you can find this at patreon.com forward slash sisters of lore pod. But we will leave the link in the episode description as well. Also, I want to apologize, you guys. I am actually going on vacation this coming week. Um, We're going to Disney and Universal. I will post all the photos, you guys. Uh, My small family and I are going. Um, So again, I'll post all the photos. I'll keep everyone updated. We are going to go to Hogsmeade and um, to Diagon Alley for my birthday. I'm so pumped. Um, Allure is also starting a new job. So yay. Yay. Um, But we really felt like we could just use an extra week to ourselves. Um, This podcast is still pretty new. And just with this schedule change, um, yeah. But you can follow us on Instagram at Sisters of Lore Pod and on Facebook, Sisters of Lore Podcast. You can now also follow us on Twitter at Sisters of Lore. We have a whopping two followers and one of them is me. Um, So (laughs) give us a follow there if you guys are active there. Um, I mainly just retweet a lot of like Harry Potter things. Um, I hope to like start some conversations. Um, I actually made my first meme too. So like, go go check that out. Getting with the times and these hip youngsters. I know. I don't tweet, by the way, like previous to this, I'm not, I'm not about Twitter. I don't know what Twitter is or how to use it. So there's that. I'm a tweet, the twiddle, and the twiddle, the Twitter. I don't know. Twaddle. Twaddle. Thank you all (laughs) so much for listening in today. And I hope that you join us again at the next episode for all of these fun shenanigans. Yay. XOXO. Sisters of Lore. Unfortunately, my dear King Leonidas. Yes. That is actually the truth, and that is what happened. So. Yeah. Oh, you two in? You two into everyone on the podcast just heard it. I might leave that in there. I might leave a little too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Leos, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening. <laughs> oh, Cut out, put at the end. I think I am. <laughs>